listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 519. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our discussion of the Fox Sci-Fi series Fringe. Well, you know, ordinarily, uh, we talk about the weather, and that's probably a better topic to talk about. But, uh, yeah, it's been a tough uh, couple months for us, and, you know, I think everybody knows what's going on. And, you know, I, I have another family member in the hospital so you know anyway uh i i guess on the one hand it, it's good that we got an episode like this one because it's certainly fun and enjoyable to watch but i don't know that it's necessarily the the deepest episode of the season no uh yeah but certainly lack of depth um still enjoyable uh really good but you know when it turns out like um a fairly, I think, uh, silly plot twist there, you know, that ends up being so. I don't know. Let's we can we can hash it out, but yeah, like not uh, not tons, not not pages and pages of notes on this one. Yeah, and I was explaining to Mary last night uh, as I was watching this one about our former segment. Really, really, <laughs> and then of course a, a similar situation cropped up in the show that we're watching, but. Anyway, just a reminder to everybody, we typically record either Monday or Tuesday, so feedback has to be in by Sunday night, probably should say around 6 p.m. our time, because sometimes we've been going pretty early on Monday. Audio feedback has a strict six-minute time limit. All right, want to thank our Patreon supporters, haven't done that in a while, Fred, of course, Mike, Cindy, Mark, Travis, Alan, Richard, and Suzanne, appreciate it that certainly helps defray the costs of producing sci-fi tv rewatch if you want to reach us sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com is the way you can reach us you know with comments feedback whatever all right i don't know if you saw the uh facebook post but we now have a firm date of august 24th for ragnarok season three. Oh, and nice i did not see that yeah yet. uh you know i i follow a reddit ragnarok group but you know there just hasn't been any news and and you know people will say well you know this actor on his or her instagram is saying this and and it's it seemed like uh lars was always saying stuff but nobody could really confirm it so uh you know you and i haven't talked so it's to be determined whether we'll cover season three i you know we covered seasons one and two and it's only six episodes so you know we'll talk about it at some point got foundation on the horizon however and um uh, that is a show that is deep and uh yeah so anyway um my wife and i are really enjoying season three of the witcher we finally got through it did, did you finish season three i just did yeah Okay, and and we've got now about a ten day wait for the second half of season three, which that yeah, was pretty cool. There's only I guess about a month or so in between the two parts, and I mentioned to you just you know real tangentially, we don't ordinarily take a look at extras because they're generally not available on Netflix, but there is a ton related to witcher and not on season three but seasons one and two and and the showrunner you know going into each episode i believe of season one just yeah definitely worth watching if you ever you know okay. w- want to just put something on and kind of do something else because it doesn't necessarily require your full attention uh we're also watching yord scott which is this swedish crime mystery that's now kind of heavily hinting at this supernatural element for what's happening to some of the people and you know why children are disappearing and so yeah pretty cool all right what are you watching uh just basically the witcher has been um i just finished season three uh last night or season three part one i should say um so yeah yeah it's good yeah, because you've uh, had so much time. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, you know, I I am glad I went back and, and rewatched the first two seasons, oh, yeah. though, because I think I would have been pretty uh, confused um, and not have memorized, not memorized, I would not would not have remembered um, some of the characters and certainly some of the plot points and nuances and, and all the shipping that's going on and stuff. So, all right, well, let's get to Fringe. Yeah. 
Episode 20 of Season 2, titled Northwest Passage, written by Ashley Edward Miller and Zach Stentz, and Nora Zuckerman and Lilla Zuckerman, who are sisters who often collaborate, for me notably, with uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., directed by Joe Chappelle. This is his fourth episode of Season 2, Johari Window, the most recent. This aired on my grandmother's birthday. May 6, 2010, and she would be, oh gosh, let's see, she'd be 114. All right, anyway, uh, <laughs> Martha Plimpton as Sheriff Mathis, did you recognize her? Well, I did, um, and then I, I couldn't remember how I recognized her, though, and I thought maybe I was just recognizing her from Fringe, but I'm like, that seems unlikely, and I went back and looked, and, so, and, re- and I was like, oh yeah, she was in Raising Hope, or she was like the main character there well, i didn't watch that show regularly but i would tune in every now and then yeah i wasn't sure either and when i looked at her imdb page which is just voluminous yeah. uh yeah there's things i've seen her in but she won a emmy in 2012 as a guest actress and i forgot what show i think it was one of these lawyer shows but um Anyway, so we see her as Sheriff Mathis, and, you know, I I mean, this is pretty much what's considered a bottle episode. I mean, you know, we see Peter pretty much alone, separated from the team, and, you know, while we see the others, you know, they're pretty minimal and inconsequential appearances of Olivia, Walter, and Astrid, and from a production standpoint, you know, they've probably got two teams going on at the same time. So they're filming, you know, this episode with Peter and then they're, you know, filming scenes with the others, you know, for other, you know, probably. But honestly, even though it's set in quote unquote Washington and I, again, I haven't seen the extras, but you could easily film. There's parts of New England you could film that would look just like that. Yeah. Oh, sure. But I guess the reality is they're filming everything in Vancouver, right? I, I, All right, true. I, I think. But uh, but anyway, um, regardless, it, it, it's still a, a cool episode to see Peter working intimately with another law enforcement officer other than Olivia or Astrid or, or even Broyles. So, so that was pretty cool because, you know, the interaction that occurs with her gives him a different perspective on things. And, you know, even though she has minimal details, I think one of the interesting things about her character is, you know, her, her kind of allusion to the X-Files, I want to believe. Yeah. And she opens up to somebody that's not going to judge her as, oh, that's that nutty police officer that believes in aliens. Right, right. And, I mean, like, even though the truth is out there, that's a pretty good, you know, kind of mile, I think, find the crack. Yeah, yeah, I see. (laughs) And when you look at certainly what's going on with Peter at the moment, you know, he's in this dark place where everything I thought I knew has been a lie. And you get that. I mean, that's a pretty big thing to have to deal with and and to come to terms with and you know he already had the issue with walter you know that you know sent walter to saint Clair and peter to not want anything to do with his his father so you know now it's like just as the two seem to have gotten over it and in fact remember peter calls him dad right in that in that episode a couple yeah, yeah. Like ago. right before their relationship completely fractures, right? Yeah. So, you know, as you said, that that find the crack, which is also I had to look this up, a reference to a Leonard Cohen song. That oh, really? you know, really, the the lyrics basically say that 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 that's how the light gets in. That that you're just looking for that crack, mm-hmm. and I don't know what the crack is going to be for Peter. Um, you know, is it going to be something that Olivia will say or do? I, I mean, I, I, you know, again, I don't want to take anything away from Astrid's importance, but I don't think she has that kind of relationship with it Peter. It might be uh, they have some plumbing issues. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> anyway, now we revert to our, uh... all right. Anyway, um, so 
Why is Peter so reluctant to have Mathis bring in the FBI? Because it seems like the reasonable, prudent call to make. That's a great question. I think that's probably a central question of this because, you know, he says, like, like at first his reason says like he's obsessed, right? Like I'm so close. If we bring in the FBI, we're going to chase these guys off. And I mean, I guess there's some reasoning to that, but that then now all of a sudden becomes, he's trying to solve this on his own. And, you know, Mathis says, how, you know, is is this going to be a mistake? I didn't call the FBI. Um, Turns out it really wasn't, but she probably could have used the help. As it turned out that they weren't chasing people from another dimension or another universe, right? But they're just a regular old serial killer. But, um, but, but, you know, so, so the one hand, his, his explanation seems reasonable, but on the other hand, it really seems like the actual reason is he doesn't want anyone to know where he is. Well, you know, and, and I think that's the fundamental reason, but, but I mean, you know, the serial killer is Newton, right? I, no. I mean, no, no, no. Um, what do we find out at the end now? I'm trying to remember. I mean, Newton is there, but the, the serial killer was just a serial killer. But who's removing the, the, the pieces the, of the, the serial killer? The okay. Dude. They said it's just for some reason, they just, you know, that's, that's why that that's the big fail of this episode, okay. because in the end, the, the, the whole thing is ridiculous, right? When you think about it, like that, that Newton had absolutely nothing to do with the, these women dying or anything at all. Like what Peter thought was completely inaccurate. Like it wasn't Newton killing these girls. It was just a serial killer killing them and taking out part of their brain. And I guess to, to kind of reinforce you, that point, I, I mean, they got me. I mean, I remember the end and I'm thinking like, all right, well, that guy's must be working with Newton, but there's no evidence that says he is. Yeah. It wasn't so. Okay. Which They're completely unrelated, which is why it's so wackadoo. Like, like you just think of all like the confluence really? of contradiction or, or, or of coincidences that, that have to take place for this to happen. Right. Because if she calls in the FBI, I'm certain she's going to say, I've got an FBI consultant, Peter Bishop here, which is then going to, you know, send this to fringe and you know like you said he just doesn't want to have to deal with walter and to a lesser extent with olivia because i you see now i can't remember <laughs> you know i guess my defense is we've been so preoccupied with other things i don't think he's confronted olivia yet you knew and didn't tell me right no he, he hasn't at all because he was in the hospital right he told walter that you know he knows what what really happened and then the next thing we find out, Peter has discharged himself from the hospital and he's gone. Right. So, uh, you know, so we get that big scene at the end where Peter meets his biological father. Mm-hmm. Hello, son. So now what? I mean, yeah, now what I is, mean, that's a great question. Because not only what is Peter going to do and say, but what's Walternet's plan? I mean, I guess we have to assume Newton has been doing Walternet's bidding and that everything that Newton's been doing leading up to this point, you know, is to get Walternet here. But then, of course, the question is why. So, uh, yeah. you know. Well, also, and- it's, it's that we see that the, the two Walters whose lives seem to be up until that point where Peter is eight years old, their lives seem to be running pretty parallel lines, but now look at Walter, his where he's at now, and Walter Nitt, who Newton calls Mister Secretary, and comes in, and he's obviously in um, much more well kept uh, station, especially clothes and everything. You know, so much. You know, his life has gone in a very different trajectory. Obviously, well, yeah, and, and certainly. You know, from a political standpoint here in the state, when you address somebody as Mr. Secretary, 
I mean, what, what are we talking about? The Secretary of State, the Secretary of War, the Secretary of the Interior, Transportation. Yeah. I mean, it, it's somebody of importance for sure. Well, it's so, just the, the fact that someone like Newton, who has the resources that he has, I mean, this guy we think is a pretty well-funded, well-backed dude, um, a pretty powerful person, it seems to us, for him to be in a deferential position the Walter that then like backs up what you just said that this Walter is obviously in a position of power. Right. So what's the deal? Did he come to take his son back to the other side? Okay. For what reason? I, I mean, well, I'm sure. What reason? Has, okay. His son. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, right, right. And that's what I was going to say. So I'm sure Newton has reported back that, you know, your son, Peter Bishop is, is, alive and well and a brilliant young man and and all of that so is it something as simplistic as that or you know is it multi-pronged which is you know far more likely is he going to try to get peter to come back reunite with his son but also utilize his son's talents for whatever they're planning over there, because, you know, again, the things we've learned about the other side and what's going on over there, I don't know. I mean, well, I do know. <laughs> well, yeah, well, we do know, obviously, but, but also what we, we know from before is that a, a war is coming, right? Like yes. that's what Olivia has been trained to be a soldier in a war between these two worlds uh, that William Bell is also somehow at, at in, at the center of, um, so yeah, I mean, your, your supposition that, you know, Walternet might have other, like maybe uses Peter as a spy or something like that, or just whatever has ulterior designs for Peter just beyond getting my son back. That seems very likely. Yeah. And Peter's going to be faced with a choice at some point on which side are you going to fight? your true home or the other side where, yeah, fine. You were raised there. You lived most of your life there. You made all your uh, personal connections there, but that's not really your home. So uh, yeah. But that I mean, is uh, where Olivia is. That is where Olivia is. So yeah, as we said, we know, but I think as a viewer at this point, these are certainly uh, legitimate questions to sure. start asking. And uh, of course we've only got two episodes to go in season two and it's a part one and a part two and you know that's the beauty of a rewatch you know while you and i for the podcast will probably wait a week to rewatch part two uh you know the the people like fred where this is a first viewing for him he doesn't necessarily have to wait and right hey, fred uh we'll have to see it's going to be a tough choice for you but yeah. um you know, this, this opening scene, which is pretty cool, with Peter flirting with a diner waitress, and we're thinking, like, oh, boy, he's, you know, once he and Olivia finally admit, he's going to have to say, well, there was this waitress in Washington. <laughs> um, and I think you mentioned, I can't even remember what the actual context was, but she's going to burn him a CD playlist. All right. Now, it's not a cassette playlist. Right. So we're at least in step up from that. We're at least in two. I mean, do playlists, do do boys and girls still do that for each other? I mean, I guess it would be some sort of a, you know, a link to a Spotify something or I don't even. Yeah. I I imagine it still happens. I mean, that's, that's pretty time. Well, I, I can't say timeless because we've only had recorded music for a hundred some years, but uh, since then I probably, I, I maybe even like, you know, some, back in like the you know in the, the 1700s just like hey here's here's a uh, i'm gonna take you to see this guy mozart play and then uh mm-hmm. we're gonna see this guy beethoven tomorrow both those mm-hmm. guys the, these songs mean a lot to me when i think about you all right that probably now, didn't happen right but, now the, <laughs> the reality it's probably with the advent of the cassette because you know before the cassette where you had real to real tapes uh, that gets pretty unwieldy to make somebody a a playlist on that but yeah. anyway we don't need to go down that rabbit hole but clearly there's some connection between the two 
And then he tells her, you know, she's like, well, where are you from? Because that'll help me make this mixtape for you. Well, technically I'm from no place you've ever heard of. Yeah. (laughs) Like, nice. Let's just say Boston. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, that's pretty cool. But then, you know, we see her at the end of her shift, go to her car, get abducted. And the next thing you know, she's the subject of some horrific surgery that appears to remove part of her brain, which of course, and, and, you know, like we were talking a few minutes, I'm assuming Newton or one of his team is conducting it, which again, is that a flaw in the writing or is it a misdirect? Yeah, it's a misdirect, right? We, we, and, and like, and that's what Megan Ray said that they also, uh, you know, have watched this multiple times, and, and they always are, are fooled by the the twist ending. Well, it's because they completely lead you down that path of us thinking, you know, that this is Newton. Because then we see Newton, right, and, and everything. So we think that this is, has something to do with the other side, with the pattern, and all this stuff. And it turns out, yeah, it had nothing to do with any. Of yeah, and I, I think the the worst part of you know what transpires here is that, dude, Peter was going to get lucky, man. It's like, yeah, I'm staying at this motel, and she's yeah. like, all right, I'll come over after my shift. Yeah. So right. you know, yeah. and then we see poor Peter getting stood up, goes back to his room, and then he gets that phone call, and it's just the noise and garble. So what's that all about? I mean, we don't really get an answer, do we? Of course, well, that could be something else he, I missed. Yeah, well, again, I assume that that, yes, that is coming from Newton, from the gods on the other side. We're not sure exactly what it means. But what we do learn is that it's totally not connected to the disappearing people, right? Right. Because the the second girl, the second body they found is someone that Peter has never encountered. And they, they ask her friend, they realize they've never even been in the same place at the same time. Um, so Peter's confused because he's still holding on to the idea that the phone calls and the murders are all connected, but in actuality, they, they aren't at all. Yeah. And is it better for Peter once he drives out of town, stops at the crime scene that, oh, so she didn't stand me up because she changed her mind about me. She stood me up because she has, cause she's dead. Yeah. Um, you know, and then there's, of course, a question. It's not a nice thought, but maybe like, you know, better for his ego. I guess. Yeah. But somebody mentions in the, you know, in the feedback about him stopping at a crime scene, which again, once he learns who it is, you know, look, he's been at enough crime scenes. He, he's interrogated enough suspects, but I don't know that he immediately would think, oh, I'm going to be a suspect. Right. Well, he clearly doesn't think that at all now again why he stopped there in the first place could be called in the question for sure yeah uh but yeah but my question is like the cops right he t- he says yeah i was totally like he doesn't deny anything he's like yeah i talked to her last night she was gonna come over but she stood me up i ended up sleeping in the uh in the lobby which is actually pretty good for his alibi as had he gone back to his room he wouldn't have that alibi and probably would have actually gotten locked up. But the police still, like, bring him in. It's like, well, right. why? And on- like, he just, he, his alibi was totally confirmed. Like, why are you throwing this guy in the back of the squad car? Right. And on the one hand, we could say, well, is it totally hubris that he pulls over, even though, and then, because he doesn't know what's going on at first. And then once he realizes it's Krista, Uh, I'm sure he's thinking, well, I was with her last night, but I was in the lobby. You know, is he thinking all of those things? Is it just hubris that, uh, you know, fine, put me in the back of the police car. If I need to, I'll call Broyles and he'll deal with it because I know I didn't kill her. But you know what? This is freaking fringe to say, well, I know I didn't kill her. Really? You know that? You you, you know, you're positive you didn't maybe you know, black out at some point. Do I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's, yeah. it's and, and I don't want to say it's hubris because I don't really think it is. I think it's just, I don't want to say he's bored, but you know, what's he doing? He, he's just, you know, it's like, it's almost like throwing a dart at a map where I'm going to go next. And that's kind of what he's doing here. Yeah. But he sees, well, he even says like, which I, I don't know if it was a call out to life on Mars, but when, you know, 
the the GPS says, you know, where's your destination? He says, Mars. Oh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then he sees Newton in the crowd of onlookers, or does he? Right. And, and yeah. um, I guess we have to assume that he does, given, you know, the end of the episode. But, you know, with everything else, why would Newton be there unless he's just simply tracking Peter, which, of course, he is at this point. You know, then we get the scene where he's with the sheriff in the, the in the morgue and you know he's been cleared and all of that and and i like the fact that she's not one of those law enforcement officers that i don't need your help i don't care who you are or who you are right she's like well no i'll take all the help i can get and and of course once her partner disappears she's even more inclined but really even at that point she'd already brought peter onto the investigation because because she realizes he's valuable, even though he starts with this explanation and going through and like, okay, I, I mean, I'm thinking, okay, I guess that sounds, that sounds reasonable, Peter. It, it, you know, she's acting like, oh yeah, I understand all that. I, okay. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, did you find that uh, to be at all hard to believe, but. Um, no, I don't think. Okay, you figure Peter's training and everything he's experienced. And again, I mean, the, the parts of the brain being removed, you know, he I guess he's had a lot of experience with the temporal lobe. So Right. Well, there's there's nothing in, in Peter's thinking that is out of line or or I mean, it's it's weird, right? But yeah. from what he's experienced and what we've seen of his experience, his theory as to what's going on makes perfect sense we don't question it as watchers right yeah sure. we've seen this before and and i like megan ray have totally forgot about the big twist at the end and so the whole time i'm just thinking that he's chasing newt right and everything. sure i think the the stopping at you know at the uh where, where there's a crime scene I, another thing it might as you're talking I, I thought about that you know he's always the guy he's not the guy who runs away from right if he hears gunshots he goes towards it not away from it right so he's just sure. you know i think kind of goes in line with what you're saying it's just that's kind of how he's wired and he's going to want to figure things out and everything like that. well yeah and you you talk about him running to the gunfire which i agree with in this episode we see a different side where he goes i i guess it's a gun dealer or a pawn shop or whatever he's banging on the door and we're like all right what the hell is this all about and then we see he's like he's He's arming up. I mean, he's got shotguns. Yeah. You know, he's got a, uh, I don't know what kind of handgun he's got, you know, strapped on because he doesn't usually carry a gun, I don't think, because he's probably not supposed to. I mean, obviously, in the course of uh, a firefight, he'll pick up a, a gun or Olivia might throw him her, her backup or whatever. But, you know, it's not really something we ordinarily see out of, uh, peter um but you know we we talked about how this is a bottle episode and it's primarily about peter and and what's going on back at fringe division i don't want to say it's not important but it it's kind of tangentially important i mean walter has a meltdown while grocery shopping yeah. and on the Every one hand death delicious I, strawberry flavored <laughs> death <laughs> yeah. but like peter he has a brief stay at a police station and you know while peter isn't guilty of anything and and you know you mentioned about why they got him in the back of the police car well i guess you could argue they're just being thorough and then once they take him to the station it's like well what do you know that can help us so mm-hmm. i think at that point he's been cleared as a suspect but but you know in walter's case you know what's he guilty of other than just bad behavior and here in yeah. the States, uh, we'd need to build about a million more prisons if we <laughs> right, were. Uh, right, right. Well, it's funny because Walter does something that I had never thought about before, but just on um, you know Sunday uh, or Saturday, a, a friend of mine, we were just, I don't know how it came up. He, he mentions how when he, I guess we were just talking about how we're all getting older and everything, and eyesight's getting worse and everything. And, uh, he says when he goes to the store, he doesn't bring reading glasses with him and just if he needs to read a, package or something he just grabs a dude, pair of reading glasses dude, this is um, walter did here yep 
So it was just really funny that Walter did that because uh, I probably never even caught that the other times I'd watched this episode, but after just talking to my friend and hearing him talk about it, that was really yep. funny. I can relate. Um, but, but Walter, you know, we've talked about Walter's progress since leaving St. Clair's and that recognition that Peter may never come back. I need to learn to care for myself. So we talk about growth with Walter Bishop. This is huge. And okay. The meltdown, I mean, it's Walter Bishop still. So that's, I don't want to say it's fine, but it's, it's part of the progress. It's part of his growth, but he knows he's got to learn to take care of himself. And, and Olivia and Astrid, I mean, I love that scene when they, they chastise him, but, but mildly for not asking for help. And then when Olivia promises, I won't let you be sent back to St. Clair's, I, I just think just a, a well done bottle episode. So, so that, this scene is really meaningful in, in the big picture, and we still don't know what's going to happen with Peter. Um, you know how long we've talked about this, you know, dozens of times. How long are they going to keep the team separated? So, um, you know, we'll see. Um, I don't know if they have bazooka gum in Europe, but right. he finds that comic on the yeah. ground. Did you notice what it says? Uh, it said you can't get there from here. Right. So a little Bazooka Joe comic strip. Right. And then, of course, he hears that static, static and garble sound again. We do learn that Astrid now knows Peter's truth, right? Because Walter tells yes. her he wants to build a device right, to right, detect right. the energy given off, yeah. you know. So, uh, so she knows that now. Uh, I mean, so... If Astrid knows, we have to assume Broyles knows as well. But it doesn't and, seem like Broyles really knew because Peter. Well, not then. Him. Oh, but now. Okay, I got. It. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, he talked to Broyles. He was like, "Don't tell Walter where I am." And you know, Broyles is like, oh, "All right, whatever." You know, like so at that point, it certainly doesn't seem like okay uh, in on it. But I'm sure, in order to get Broyles to crack and tell her where Peter is, that you know, she probably had to let Broyles know. What right now you know inner feedback as you mentioned and i had in my notes for uh megan ray's feedback so you're basically saying megan ray that the the brain thing is a really really yeah <laughs> but i've got one that i think is even worse because you, you can look at that as a narrative misdirect and okay fine yeah i guess it is. i mean i i agree with i i mean i i only agree so far in Mega Ray, you sound like you know what you're talking about. I don't, but uh, right. I have to admit, even watching it, it that seemed like a a really really moment. Uh, you know, like like really like you remove the brain and people can like read it like it's like a tape or something like that. That doesn't seem. But also, as we've said a number of times, it's fringe, and so you know, like as fringe we, we we i guess take it with like a grain of salt a lot of stuff that seems very preposterous but the scene i'm talking about mathis and peter are again in the morgue and he's trying to figure out all right well where's you know he assumes it's newton um and so he's got the map and he's got the protractor and it's like okay this one's here and he draws a circle and this one's here and he draw i'm like okay and and if he's driving at 60 miles an hour she's like no he'd be more like 45 it's like all right so he's doing all the math in his head all right fine i i'll take your word for it all you know but then and that's not the really for me yeah it's when he fires the gun yeah. in the lab <laughs> right to deliberately scare so hopefully you're on the first floor i, I mean you, you you know this you're on the floor only above, floor yeah right <laughs> hopefully there's no one above him um yeah like couldn't he have just like snuck up behind her and gone boo or something like did he really have to take out his gun and shoot it inside that really seemed yeah so much. uh hopefully you know a good roofing guy but yeah. uh <laughs> Broyles asks Olivia if Walter's going to be able to function if Peter doesn't return. And, you know, that's what a good leader should do. It's it's like, well, you know what? I'm not going to wait around. I mean, how long am I going to wait? A day, a week, whatever. So 
she's certain Peter will return. So why is she so certain? Come on, say uh, <laughs> Because she loves him? I don't know. And she knows he does. Yeah, I, I yeah. think, yeah, yeah, I think she knows. And, and There's to me, a connection. There's- right, that, that, you know, I just feel like he's not going to never come back or or at least contact us. Well, there's three more seasons, so we're pretty sure he comes. Yeah, yeah, I know. But at this point for her. So now she realizes that Broyles knows something because, of course, he's been in contact with Peter. I don't know. You know, just the, the, the connection he makes in such a short time with Mathis, I thought was just really well done. And, 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 she realizes and she says, you're looking for meaning in things that have no meaning. And then, of course, he says what what we already know. But I think for her, while, you know, she doesn't understand exactly what he's talking about. I don't know who I am anymore. And then she tells him about her own experience. I was alone for a long time, but I found my place. You will, too. And the irony is he's found his place or he thought he had. And I think it's easy for us to say, well, when he has some time to sit back and reflect, yes, I was lied to, and that's a bad thing, but but, I mean, what did Olivia do, really? What did Astrid do? What did Broyles do? They all welcomed him in, and, you, you know, as Walter says, you know, a few episodes back about this this family that they've created. Yeah, and I, I, you know, certainly it sounds like in television these days, it's it's referred to as a found family, and you know that's certainly what we've got here. So, you know, sure. how long is it going to take? Well, I don't know, but then, well, but that, of course, that's, there's a big, you know, I mean, he was probably going to get there eventually. Right, like ultimately, he would probably wander around for a little bit, and we assume ultimately it's come to the point. Like, I need to at least go back and talk to these people. I can't just run away from my impact. But now that his real dad has found him, that certainly would delay that you know reunion with the the team back in Boston. Well, yeah, and that's what's so meaningful about the pen that that mathis gives him with you know find the crack because i think we can say it's like yeah just find that crack peter that you can you can walk through to try to deal with this this issue that you know talk to olivia talk to walter but then as you said that's going to be delayed (laughs) we don't know for how long um because you know newton appears with walter in it and you know the whole hello son and and again the irony that that just an episode or so ago he said you know good night dad and then here we have hello son and right. you know of course the walter we know calls him son all the time and 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 always has but and you know we assume when he was a child peter called him dad but you know, of course it's been you know 25 years or yeah. or however long so uh well he, you, know, you know this is just like a whole nother round like he's just it's taken him like so long to rebuild this relationship with Walter. And now it's like this new guy coming to his life, you know, yeah. You know, for, for me, like right now to, to think of Peter calling Walter the dad, that just seems like such a stretch, you know, just because it's, it, it takes him so long to, to, to trust people that yeah. Well, the other thing that surprises me, and and I, I guess maybe surprises me isn't the right word. I I guess confuses me that Walter deliberately sabotages the device to find Peter, and and of course his explanation to Astrid is that he fears Peter will never forgive him. So I don't I don't want to find him, and then him tell me to f off. Right. And that's it. Mm-hmm. So I get it. But I don't get it. You know, make the device, make it functional, and then make your decision later whether or not you're going to use it. So now, again, that's easy for me to say I'm not dealing with this emotional angst that that Walter is. And and Walter's already a fragile human being. So, 
you know, that whole walk in somebody else's shoes before you make a decision about them, you know, I think we need to, you know, take a step back on that. So I don't know what else. Um, well, uh, you know, Alan mentioned something about this, the idea of what the Northwest Passage was. And as he said, it was this concept for British explorers back in the um, 18th, 19th century, um, probably more 18th and 19th, I think, maybe maybe 17th and 18th. Anyway, a long time ago, they thought that there was a way to avoid going down around uh, the tip of South America to get to the Pacific Ocean. So they were looking for these, some, they believe that there's some kind of Northwest Passage that would go through Canada and North America that would take them out the Pacific Ocean that way. And there isn't, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, um, there, there is a lot of ice and, uh, and death ultimately, which is what they, they really found. But so, but, you know, that, that, you know, that concept of like Peter as here, like kind of like an explorer of setting out uh, un- unknown territory, stepping out into the void of the uncertain, I think are, are kind of thematically linked to, to this episode. Oh, yeah. And, and I think that's just a wonderful choice on, on the writer's part. And then when you think about it, Washington State, he cannot get any farther away from boston in in terms of the continental u.s of course he can work his way up you know to alaska but as far as the continental u.s that you know you're on the total opposite end of the country boston's you know over here i'm making hand gestures that of course you all can see um (laughs) so uh yeah so that that was pretty cool all right what else well, I was wondering what would be a song that you would put on the CD uh, for Peter from Boston. Well, I would probably choose something from Tom Schultz and his band, Boston. Okay. Now, I'm not sure what song I would pick, but, you know, there's so yeah. many good ones. So One of the feelings, always a great... Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Especially if you're going to go have sex with them, that one. Well, yeah, nice. And and I just (laughs) thought about it. There's the MIT connection. I don't know if you remember, you know, the the leader and guitar player, Tom Schultz of Boston was an MIT grad. And he made all his recording equipment, had in his basement and all that. So anyway, why? What would you play? I I think my the first song I think I put would be uh, Nowhere Man by the Beatles. Oh, nice. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I don't think it can get any better than that. I got to admit. Well, the song that they, that uh, Krista picked was um, "Band of Horses," uh, "Ghost in My House," which is a really good song. Okay, all yeah. right. Uh, I don't know. I think you know. I, I like the idea that Walter, you know, at first was like sabotaging his own machine to not find Peter, but then Olivia says, "Hey, we found him. He's in Washington. Do you want to go with me?" He's like, "Okay, I just need to pack a bag." So. You know, again, there's growth there for for Walter. He's no, hopefully, will no longer try to avoid these things and you know go and, and address things. Uh, and I think that is probably well. It's the the guy coming. Like, okay, this. I feel like a serial killer. You're going to have a better weapon at hand than a hatchet. You know. Yeah. Good point. But I don't. know. <laughs> it made for a better fight scene yeah true uh i think that might be it i got dave okay all right well let's get to listener feedback and we will start with alan in england hello to all at sci-fi tv Watch. this is alan from england here with feedback mostly about the fringe episode northwest passage first what i'm watching still keeping up with strange new worlds just better and better. Finished watching season two of Warrior Nun. I really enjoyed that and I'm ready for the next one, which I now believe is likely to happen. I was going to go Ragnarok next, but on hearing some things from the podcast and other places about the series Silo, I've watched first episode of that. I love the premise of the people being enclosed in that setting. I'm reminded of a series called Ascension, 
where a bunch of 1960s-era people are in a rocket on a multi-generational journey to another star system. But after 50 years travelling, all is definitely not as it seems. And obviously, they also would find it difficult to go outside at any point. Also getting Snowpiercer vibes with the hierarchy, except this time the setting is vertical, not 1,001 cars long. Again, choosing to leave would have been very problematic from that train. Actually, another link is a movie called THX1138, where the people also would believe it was bad news to go outside. Anyway, I'm really enjoying that. Fringe, episode 21, I think, uh, Northwest Passage. I know historically there were many attempts to discover a Northwest Passage for shipping from the east to the west coast over the northern American continent. And Peter certainly travelled from Boston to Washington State, so there is some link there. As the episode opens, I'm reminded just how much I love an American diner. They have something similar in England, but it's just not the same. I had a road trip back in 2010, about the time this episode was made, from Atlanta, Georgia, up through South Carolina, North Carolina, Maryland, Washington, D.C., New Jersey, and up into New York State, and over the border into Ontario, Canada. We experienced a lot of diners of various kinds, easily doing uh, four to 500 miles a day traveling. If you do four to 500 miles in England, you run out of England. Peter's getting on very well with waitress Krista when she asks how long he's staying for, and he replies one night, then passing on, and she says two, as in to where. But at first I thought she was saying two, as in no, you should stay at least two nights. A rewatch with the subtitles cleared that up. When we see the diner is the home of famous pies, I'm thinking Twin Peaks and a fine cherry pie. Throughout this episode, there are twin possibilities. Some things relate to a possible local serial killer, and some to Newton. But it's easy for everyone, including me, to uh, get confused. The guy approaching Krista would seem to be local and probably known to her, as there doesn't seem to be any struggle at first. But then in the next scene, there's all that medical equipment, which didn't really look like someone's milking parlour to me. And removing bits of brain would definitely be a Newton trademark. Peter's driving along. Do you ever pass a crime scene and think, I must stop immediately and go and incriminate myself? Well, me neither, but Peter does. Peter spots Newton in that crowd, or does he? Throughout the episode, we're not quite sure how much he is seeing or imagining, or is Newton phasing in and out of existence? It's all a bit perplexing. And then Peter's whole, they're taking brain parts to find me theory, it seemed quite involved, as it doesn't seem that hard to track down. Actually, it seems more like Newton is toying with Peter by killing people he's met, but seemingly then making it all about Peter, almost as if it's his fault or he's implicated. I actually forgot Walter was in this episode, but he's mostly busy losing it over potassium bromide in baked goods. He is not coping at all well without Peter around. When he mentions Violet Sedan Chair, I was sure that was fictional. And then I went and looked it up on the internet, and first I thought it was a real band, only then to find it was actually created entirely for Fringe, but a real album was actually recorded and distributed. And yes, it's on Spotify, and I'm listening to it. Peter's method of determining the likely crime scene based on the two bodies is much less compelling than that triangulation method in finding the bridge in The Man from the Other Side, but it gets the job done. In the caravan, it's clearly a case of can't touch this, followed by hammer time. Peter survives the hammer, and we do see the medical equipment, but I still find it hard to believe that that local guy surgically removed bits of people's brains, and that certainly would be a coincidence. At least Deputy Bill is okay, so that's something. Sure enough, Newton turns up to surprise Peter, as does Walternut. So the identity of Mr. Secretary, being the man from the other side, is indeed confirmed. A very good, if slightly confusing, episode. Take care, Alan from England. 
Well, we, we, you know, we, we talked about most of this stuff in all of the feedback, but I, you know, I like, as Alan points out, we're not sure if Newton is really there at the point that right. Peter sees him. And, and of course, our explanation would be that, that, you know, Peter's pretty emotionally wounded and, you know, Newton is still probably in his thoughts and, you know, and, and it certainly wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility that Newton would be tracking him for some reason. Mm-hmm. So, you know, of course, as we said, we learned later that, no, he probably really was there. But uh, anyway, right. uh, it, it could else? be. I don't like I don't know if he's like, you know, because it's really weird, right? Because he's like there and it just disappears. One time he actually shot at like a tranquilizer dart or something he shot at him. Yeah, later. Sure. Um, you know, so when we see him and then he just disappears, it's it's uh it's weird. Yeah. So. All right. Anything else about Allen's? Uh, I think, no, I think we're good with that one. Okay. All right. Well, let's hear from Megan Ray in Canada. We'll be right back. Hi, Dave and Wayne and everyone at Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Megan Ray from Canada with feedback for Northwest Passage. I don't have a lot this week, uh, but I had two things that um, come to mind when I rewatch this episode Every single time I rewatch it, I remember it incorrectly. I am right on board with Peter's assessment that uh, the the crime is people hunting for him and that part of their temporal lobe is being removed so they can track him down. And every single time I get frustrated by the science behind that, that you can't remove a piece of someone's brain and question it to get information from it separate from the person. It just brains don't work that way. Brains are a neural network. They they no longer work in isolation. And when they're disconnected from their network, they don't function. So I always get frustrated by the science. And then, of course, we learn as he finds the killer that it, it isn't people hunting for him. Um, even though there are Newton is there, they are looking for him. But the crimes themselves are completely separate. And it's just a human serial killer cutting out pieces of people's brains uh, because it makes him feel closer to them, apparently. Um, and the cop just got in the way. So so this, I get frustrated by the science, but then that kind of becomes irrelevant in the end anyway. So it's funny that I misremember the storyline every single time. Um, secondly, now that we all know that the secretary is in fact Walternet, and therefore Newton is working for Walternet, and the shapeshifters are also working for Walternate. Um, the I'd like to talk about the man from the other side is in fact Walternate on the bridge, because uh, my understanding is that Peter interrupts the bridge from materializing, and therefore the person on the bridge would not have made it over. So either Walternate found didn't make it over, but then found another way to cross between now and then and now. Or uh, he he did make it over, but we were so distracted by other things as the viewer that we didn't see him standing on the far bank or, you know, he disappeared into the trees too quickly or something. Anyway, so whether that's a bit of a plot hole or we assume he crossed over some other, some other way. The other thing I wanted to add in about the shapeshifters working for Walternet is that uh, a few episodes ago when they find the shapeshifters, there's that one that's not functional because Walter cut into it and it's on their table and it apologizes to Walter for not being able to carry out its mission. And in that scene, it's kind of strange. We don't really understand why it's apologizing. But now that you know that Walternet is their boss or their boss's boss, it would make sense that if it's staring up at someone that looks like it's superior, it would... And, and it's failed completely that it would apologize and feel very contrite. So interesting piece to carry forward. Um, I'm, that's all I have for Northwest Passage. I'm very looking forward to the next few episodes as it ramps up and gets heavily into the mythology. Talk to you next week. My only comment was going to be, and I, I mentioned it during the discussion about the the, the brain scene yeah, and I think it's understandable also that that they misremembered the storyline despite seeing it a number of times. Like as I said, I also 
did not remember what the the storyline was and what the who the actual villain was at the end but i think also it's because it's so silly that you know there would be peter just happens to stumble on a case in washington state of a guy who is drilling into people's heads just like newton was i mean he was doing that you know that is a thing that newton was doing so um so it seems like very far-fetched that that peter would just kind of happen across this and that the serial killer would actually also be targeting this waitress uh, that the same night that Peter Caesar is going to hook up with her. So, and yeah. and then uh, you know the the deputy and and but then I go back and again I guess I don't I can't figure out whether I think oh that's clever misdirect or a really and and is it because because I'm I'm looking at my notes for the feedback and and under megan ray's that's my notes so you're saying the 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 misdirect with the brain thing is a really i'm like well then when we were talking about it why did i just forget that (laughs) and immediately anyway all right let's hear what i also thought megan ray had another uh interesting point here about when the uh shapeshifter apologized to walter the shapeshifter that that didn't make it you know oh yeah um and then i that didn't even strike me until I, I, I heard uh, Megan Ray's feedback that, well, he thought that he was talking to Walter net. Right. And now I'm sure. like, Oh yeah. Okay. Now that and I didn't even, that, that didn't even cross my mind. That's, yeah. It so, didn't, didn't call. mine either before. Yep. So, all right, well, let's hear Fred and we'll be right back. Hello, Dave and Wayne and all listeners to sci-fi TV rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for the fringe episode. Northwest Passage, Season 2, Episode 20, or, according to IMDb, Episode 21. Okay, I paused my recording, especially to wait to 9.45, so Wayne, my condolences, and, well, I can't burn a candle for you or say a prayer, because I don't believe in God, but I waited until the church bells ring for your father. And a little bit for you. I wish you all the best and all the strength and possibly just time to give it the right spot. And a lot of respect that you were able to record the podcast anyhow last week. Coming back to last week's podcast, you discussed my idea that both his mother and Walter are not his parents on this side, but that it feels for his mother a little different, because he loved her, etc. Well, I wonder what this love will do if he will know that she is actually the cause that he wasn't brought back to his original universe. She was the one that kept Walter back in bringing him back. So perhaps his judgments about his mother will change when he knows this. On the other hand, this real father and real mother could be that awful that still Walter and his mother on this side are feeling as his real parents and perhaps even actually both of them. So, I mean, also Walter. Okay, going into the episode. Great episode. I would give it a straight A. Why? Because I was right. I mean, in one of the previous podcasts about the man on the bridge, I said, well, it's not very likely that it's William Bell, because the posture of Leonard Nimoy is more slender and tall, and this was more the posture of somebody like John Nobler, so Walter, and that proved to be the right thing. I really wonder if the actor John Noble also really played the figure, the, the hazy, blurry figure on the bridge, or that they took a stand-in. But for me, it was enough that I thought it could be him. Well, this episode proves that. I really wonder what will happen here. Perhaps this is a very awful person, so the alternate Walter... And Peter starts to realize that his Walter on this side is actually a better father than his real father. In this week's episode, it was quite nice to have a 
Peter-centric episode without all the others, although the others were there, but in a limited way, uh, and as a kind of background story. But it was really nice to see how Peter connected just within a half hour to this uh, female sheriff. She had to take a leap of faith again and again and again, but she did. Possibly because she read the right literature about aliens and UFOs, etc. It was of course awful that this waitress was killed and later another woman. And, well, Peter really connected to her, so I had the feeling he didn't feel enough kind of guilty because this all happened because of him. And it wasn't just a waitress. It was a very nice waitress, apart from her looks. She made CDs for her regular customers and possibly for some good-looking new customers. Okay, that will be all for this week, four minutes, so you have some space for at least three other feedback givers. I don't think that I can recall so many feedback givers in the last 284 Sci-Fi TV Rewatch episodes. Okay, greetings, Fred. Now, Fred talked, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, about how Peter... You know, what his mindset has to be at this point, wondering whether his mother is still alive on the other side and is his father and how is he going to, you know, really connect or or not connect from the people that are his biological parents, but, you know, haven't really seen him for 25 years. So... Fred Peter's going to now get to confront his father and, you know, we'll hear his side of the story. I mean, I don't know what else to say about that. Yeah. Well, he, he is right. He's just going to get his side because again, Walter never was never able to tell his side of it. Yeah. You know, he had op- all the, he just delayed and delayed uh, all these opportunities. He had to, to sit Peter down and explain to it like he did to Olivia um, and he didn't, and so Pierre unfortunately figured it out for himself. And so now he's just going to get Walter's story. He's not going to hear his father. So that might make things worse. Yeah. So um, yeah. Anything else about uh, Fred's feedback? Well, just you know, thank you so much, Fred. Uh, the, in the playing the bells, and that I actually got that 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 got me, man. Um, that was very very kind of you. I, I I appreciate that a lot. That was a very very kind, sweet, and nice gesture. Um, and, and actually, you like, you know, getting back in and just doing the podcast, even um, even though my my dad had just passed away, um, you know, it's just, you know, this is, this, I don't know, as, as I said before, this is something I look forward to every week, and I'm yeah, looking forward to talking to Dave, and I think it, it was helpful for me to be able to do that still. Yeah, I think there's a certain comfort level, you know, we've known each other for so long, and, and we've been able to to do this for so long that that yeah despite everything going on that's what she said yeah <laughs> <laughs> that, that could, that's about as perfect as it gets so. <laughs> all right anyway um well there's also one more thing like uh, yeah. that stuff is that uh, one thing we know about walter there right because like we, like we don't really know we know he's much different obviously than walter uh we do know that you know this is a guy who worked was working really hard to save his son and failed at it, and then his son disappeared. So there's probably a lot of stuff going on that that there's like internal motivation for Walter that that I'm sure we're going to find out what that is over the next couple episodes. Well, well, right, because and that, and that's a great point because it's not as if he, Peter's going to learn. Well, I was sick and you didn't do anything. Right, the fact that he just never came up with a cure. Well, the irony, again, he did come up with it. He just didn't know he came up with it. Uh, I mean, that's got to count for something. And, you know, how much Walternate knows. I mean, does Walternate eventually learn that, oh, I had the cure and didn't know I had it, but, you know, hey, now I have. So we don't know any of that. And and, But but still, that confrontation is going to be there. Yeah. All right. Well, Alan, Megan, Ray, Fred, thank you so much as always. And, you know, when you look at the title 
of the final two episodes of season two, Over There, part one, and Over There, part two. Uh, sounds promising. Sounds promising. <laughs> and, and and again, I, I mentioned pulling out the DVD set and looking at the booklet and all the great photographs and... Uh, you know, I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to spoil anything okay. for, for people like Fred, who, who this is a first viewing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, there are certainly some some well-placed clues in the DVD booklet, and I'll just uh, leave it at that. So, uh, you know, I'm going to go with a B on this one. I'm not sure B plus is warranted. I mean, it was a fun episode, enjoyable. I think we get some key moments, but. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I was thinking of B plus on it just because. Okay, we'll again, go B, B plus. not as good as an A, um, but still, like it had moments. But just yeah, I mean that the whole serial killer thing at the end, just too too silly of a uh, of of a premise to, to. Not that serial killers are silly, I know, but I'm just saying. Like that. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, so. like the whole thing of, of you know killing people the, the same way newton did and everything like that uh, it doesn't didn't work for me so. so okay all right well let's go ahead and leave it there that'll do it for this episode of sci-fi tv rewatch thank you for joining us love to hear your thoughts on fringe uh you know whether or not we should cover ragnarok season three are you already into foundation check out the facebook group if you haven't already sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com is the way you can reach us and we'll be back next week to talk about episode 21 of season two titled over there part one but until then so dave i don't know friday night uh you know well it wasn't quite night yet it's still light out but it, we got a pretty big rain i was in towson i don't know if you saw the double rainbow that popped up after that rain i did not yeah so there's a big double rainbow that was there and you know i just looked at it and i thought i don't know i don't even know what it all means <laughs> <laughs>